Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Ryan Bossier. I am a pastoral apprentice here at Church 21 and uh, director of Gathered Worship. And this morning, I get to open the word with you. Um, we've been going through a series uh, called Undeservingly Enabled, and we've been in Romans chapter 8. Now, I don't know if there's a, uh, a chapter in Scripture, at least in the New Testament, that I have gone to more often in my life uh, for encouragement and uh, joy uh, than Romans chapter 8. It is a gold mine of hope, um, and each week we've just been excavating just a little bit deeper into this gold. Uh, and and just when you think uh, that uh, it couldn't get any better, Paul has more to bring um, about what Christ has done for us. So we're going to continue today in Romans eight twenty eight and see that he's not even close to done. It's just a small verse, but it is dense with implications for your life and for our hope. Um, So let's read it again, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get, uh, we'll dig into it. Um, For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, Father God, I pray that you would um, empower me to speak clearly and accurately about your word. I pray that you would open our eyes and ears to see your glory um, through this scripture and you would change our lives. We ask this in your in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, I should say right off the bat that um, there is so much in the application of this reality of God working all things together for our good, that's just going to be above our pay grade. Um, There's dots we're not going to connect this side of eternity of how that works exactly. Um, However, um, we're not left in the dark. Um, God gives us a lot of light um, through his scripture and understanding the various ways that this works. Um, And it's important that we don't just assert this, but we actually explain it um, as much as we can Um, Because I know that the reality is that many are going to hear this and think of it as a trite platitude, that God works all things together for our good. Um, Many of you, when you hear that, at the very least, you you, you think of the hardest moments in your life and the most horrific moments in human history, and you say, that that too? Um, Some of you have lost your jobs during COVID-19 and lost all financial stability. Um, Some of you have endured backstabbing and betrayal in your life from those who are supposed to love you. Uh, Others of you have suffered from disease and disability for years, and you've been praying for relief, and it hasn't come. Um, Many of you have loved ones, um, have lost loved ones to tragedy. All of us will. Um, Death uh, touches us all, and uh, we've suffered these losses. And and some of you have suffered... uh, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. Um, There are horrific things that happen in our lives. Um, For me, um, something recently that I've been going through, I've I've struggled with obsessive-compulsive disorder for many years um, and uh, have made progress. God has been giving um, growth in it, but in recent months, um, it's kind of manifested in a different manner of sorts. Um, I've found myself having increasing panic attacks about every three weeks. Um, my anxiety just surges, and um, it, it's really hard. And so if we're going to talk about this reality that he works all things together for our good, we have to talk about suffering because um, that's the question area. 
And, and my hope today is that we would see how this works, just even in general terms, the sorts of things that God does um, to work these things together for our good, so that we could embrace this reality in those hardest moments and reap a harvest of joy that's available to us. Um, not simply despite those moments reaping joy, but in them and through them. And so in order to do that, we have to uh, identify um, who Paul is even talking to. Who is this for? Because we might hear this and think he's affirming something that he's not actually affirming. Um, so just this week, Megan and I, my wife, um, we were watching this game show. It's this baking game show called Sugar Rush. Um, and it's crazy. They, these people are artists. I, I can't bake anything, but they are like making works, works of art that nobody should eat and we should just put in a museum and stare at. Um, and one girl who was in the competition ended up losing, and they did the little interview thing, and she said, um, she was kind of reassuring herself and said, everything happens for a reason. Um, it's going to be okay. And... Uh, we hear that all the time, right? All cultures, I don't know what her faith background was, but so many different cultures will say um, everything happens for a reason. And they're not talking about Romans 8, 28. And, and when she says that, she's not just saying like the basic, obvious, um, everything happens because of a reason, like cause and effect, like I lost, the reason I lost is because I didn't bake good enough uh, to win. She's not saying that. She's saying that there's a hidden and deeper reality, um, a reason that's deeper and hidden, and that it's a good reason, that if I understood everything, I would choose the same. Um, and, and, and that's what, when people say everything happens for a reason, that's what they mean. Uh, and here's the thing. It is biblically true that everything does happen for a good reason that often we don't understand all the things that play and if we did and if our hearts were right with God we would agree and say yes let that be so um, but where people divert from Romans eight twenty eight is by thinking that it is the outcome is good for everyone Paul's not a universalist um, Christianity is not um, does not say this is good for everyone it's open to everyone but it's only for those who are in Christ or filled with, who have the Spirit of God, who belong to Christ, who are adopted. These things we've been talking about through these weeks. And in this, this verse specifically, we have uh, these two uh, pieces. There's on one side, there is, uh, it says, those who love God. Um, and on the other side, it says, those who are called according to his purpose. Um, and, and, and to key in and to understand those, we're going to understand more um, accurately how he works all things together for good, what that really looks like and means. And so we're going to talk about this idea of being called um, a little bit more next week, um, along with some other things. Um, but what I want to key in is that last part of the phrase, according to his purpose. What is his purpose? What is God's purpose? Is there a purpose? Um, there is. And in the purpose that God has for all things, for everything, is to glorify himself in his people. Um, that is the purpose of the universe, to glorify God in his people. Um, I, I want to read you just two verses. We could go through um, verse after verse after verse after verse, but um, these two will suffice for today. Uh, Isaiah 43, 6 through 7. Um, so actually, two, sorry, two little, uh, four verses. Um, I will say to the north, 
give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth and everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Uh, the, the next verse, so we're, we're created for his glory. This also extends to new creation, to being born again, to becoming Christians, that is. Uh, it says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the pray, purpose of his will. That's his purpose. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He's blessed us in the beloved for the praise of his glory, his glorious grace. He created us in, in the new creation, both for God's glory. And that might sound distasteful at first to you um, because we don't like people who are seeking their own glory, right? Like you don't want to be around the person who's always trying to exalt themselves. Why is this different for God? Well, it's different for God because God is holy, um, he exists in a category of his own. Before anything existed, God existed as a trinity. That's one God, three persons. Hard to wrap our minds around. Um, and in this trinity is this community within the Godhead himself, this community that is love. God is love. And God was totally satisfied in himself. So uh, he didn't create to fulfill some need that he was lacking now, God is self-sufficient, so why create? Uh, why create? Because of the overflow of the joy he had in himself. And, and God, in his joy, said, let's create other creatures to share in my own ultimate satisfaction in the love that I am. See, for God to exalt his glory, uh, he, for him, it is absolutely and utterly generous. When God reveals who he is to us and that we would see and praise and enjoy, he's welcoming us in to the enjoyment uh, that we were made for, welcoming, uh, welcoming, us in, welcoming us in to the greatest joy in the universe. This is good news. John Piper says it this way, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And the glorious reality of this verse is that literally all things, everything, is working toward that end that God would be glorified in you, that you would be satisfied in him. Everything. And this includes our hardest moments. Nothing is beyond the bounds of that statement, all things. Uh, in fact, God has actually uh, not only doing this in spite of our suffering, he's actually appointed suffering um, to play a role uh, in the walk towards that glory, towards our being changed by glory, our seeing God's glory, our enjoying God's glory. Suffering is necessary. So verse 17 uh, in Romans 8 says this, uh, if children, well, he had just said that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs. And it says, and if, yeah, if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. This suffering is instrumental in our being glorified with God. Well, what's glorification? What is this? It's, it's this all-encompassing word that includes our being transformed uh, to be like Christ 
in our character, and then ultimately what we talked about recently, the redemption of our bodies, putting on immortality. This is incredible news. Uh, And suffering and everything else is working toward this end, both on the ground level of our daily lives and the cosmic level of all of history. So uh, a personal example um, for me recently, I I mentioned my OCD has been um, more difficult recently. Um, And I don't know how much you know about OCD, but um, OCD, it's obsessive compulsive disorder. So how it works is um, you have these obsessive thoughts, fears um, that trigger uh, anxiety. And the way that you try to suppress or deal with that anxiety or quench it is by doing these compulsive behaviors. And the more you do the compulsive behaviors, the more you affirm the anxiety that you had about those obsessive thoughts. And so it becomes this reoccurring cycle. Um, and, and when this is happening, your fight or flight response in the brain is just for OCD people, it's just overactive. So this is really difficult um, and anxiety can be really um, uncomfortable. Um, and so one of the ways that you deal with OCD is you identify those obsessions um, and, and that in counseling, oftentimes they'll have you expose yourself to the things that trigger those obsessive thoughts and then resist doing the compulsion. Sometimes when it's appropriate, even doing the opposite of it. And the crazy thing about this is as you do that, um, you, as you take these steps in faith that you're going to be okay, and for me, in faith, in promises like this scripture, um, you are rewiring your brain to not be anxious about that thing because you come out on the other side and you're okay. Um, and this is literally what scripture talks about, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, It's an amazing thing. Um, And so the thing about it is that that process can be very painful. It can be very difficult. Anxiety can get very intense. And this week, um, I had a few times where anxiety has really peaked, um, just kind of surprised me out of nowhere, and it started to spiral. And one of the the passages of scripture that has been such a blessing to me um, in this season, it's been the story of Peter walking on the water. Maybe you know about Jesus walking on the water, but in in one of the the tellings of that story, we see that Peter actually, um, when he saw Jesus, said, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. And so Jesus does. And Peter steps and he finds footing uh, on the water. He finds firm ground, in a sense, on the liquid water. And he's walking. And it's amazing. Um, But then something else happens. He begins to notice the wind and the waves, uh, the howling wind and the the raging sea, and he becomes afraid. He takes his eyes off of the trustworthiness of the one who called him. He forgets about the fact that he's already seen the faithfulness of Jesus to give him firm footing. And he becomes afraid, and he begins to doubt, and he sinks. Um, Even in that moment, though, Jesus pulls him out and rescues him. He was always safe. Um, And for me, it's been such an encouragement as I've been having to take the next step to do the next hard thing to say, the one who's calling me to not be afraid and to trust him and to not be uh, a slave to obsessive, compulsive thoughts, but to to just do the next thing, um, he's trustworthy. And so when these thoughts are coming, I'm just saying, uh, I'm going to ignore them. This is going to be uncomfortable. The wind and the waves are going to continue to howl, but I'm going to take the next step, and I'm going to find firm footing. And eventually the waves die down of my anxiety, and I have found on the other side uh, that I have been thankful 
for the suffering of this because it's teaching me more about his faithfulness. It's growing my faith and it's growing my hope. Uh, there is uh, a, a quote from, um, it's a, often attributed to Charles Spurgeon. We don't know who said it, but uh, it's been a, a good descriptor of this for me. It says, I have learned to kiss the wave that, that throws me against the rock of ages. It's a painful process. The rock of ages is a name for, for Jesus. And uh, I've learned to kiss it, to accept it, because even though it hurts, it gives me him, and he's my treasure. He's my hope. Uh, Romans, uh, earlier in chapter 5, Paul talks about this reality, about suffering, uh, in detail. He says, not only that, uh, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, or other translations say, a provenness. And character produces what? Hope. (laughs) It produces Hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God takes our theology and turns it into experience in suffering, and we see his faithfulness. And I can testify that I've just found this to be true in my experience. Suffering is a means of grace to strengthen us. God can work everything, and he will work everything on the ground level of your life to bring about a greater knowledge of of him as he sustains you uh, and sometimes delivers you from those sufferings as you're praying. He will give you whatever is going to give you the most of him as you are seeking him. He does it on the ground level, but he does it on the cosmic level. Um, all of history, every evil deed that has ever been committed is working together for your good and his glory if you are in Christ. Um, one day, uh, one day, the, all of the, the evil deeds that we cannot reconcile in our head with a, a good God who is all-powerful, um, one day God who has been enduring all of that evil for his purposes, some of those uh, dots that we can't all connect, one day he will no longer endure it. And one day every evildoer will pay every penny of debt they owe to God, every unrepentant evildoer, every swindler, every liar, every uh, manipulator, every self-seeker, every abuser, rapist, murderer, you name it, they will receive the wrath of God, the justice of God. And nobody in that day, none of us are going to be looking and wondering, is God just? When we see him as he is, we will know our own guilt um, that we have, that we don't Honor, haven't honored him as he is worthy of. He'll display his perfect justice and awe-inspiring power, and we will marvel, and those who are in Christ will marvel most of all because we deserve that same fate. And if not for Jesus, we would be in that hell of fire. We would be suffering, and we deserve it. But Jesus, the God who is who we see in the heavens, the God who is just in pouring out that wrath on all humanity, became a man, became a baby and grew up and lived a perfect life and died a shameful, excruciating death so that we could be forgiven and all who would come to him would be forgiven. He invites everyone 
to say to to avoid that day and to come to him now and to be forgiven that we could say as we heard at the beginning of this series there is no condemnation for me because i am in christ he invites all of us to come when we see the glory of his power in his wrath and his justice and how it magnifies how amazing the mercy is toward us we will count it all gain to know God in fullness and to know how great his mercy is. We will know his justice. The dots that need to be connected will be connected and we will count it all worth it. This God is working all things at the ground level and all things at the cosmic level for our good and for his glory. And the question is, do you want that? The question is, are you willing to endure suffering to get to that day? If suffering is instrumental in the path to getting there, to, to us knowing him more, um, it, is that enough? Is he enough? Do you love God? He works all things together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Do you love him? Do you want him? <laughs> Do you see his love for you and what he did to save you? We are undeservingly enabled, but we are enabled. Uh, Every Christian at some point in their life must come to terms with the fact that there is no painless Christian life. Jesus never pretended that following him would be easy. He actually made it very clear that it wouldn't be that the path to glory comes with a cross to bear. And, and, and it's hard. But it also comes with a promise that he will bear us up on that path, that he will walk us into the glory that is a free gift from him. The hope of a suffering-free life is a false hope. But Christ offers us a life, a hope, where every ounce of suffering and everything in all the universe that has ever occurred is meaningful. It's working together for our good in his glory. Nothing is wasted. Nothing. He will redeem it all. Uh, If you haven't started on this path to glory, um, I want to invite you to do that today. Uh, To surrender your life to Jesus in faith because he will save you. He will rescue you and he will walk you into that glory. All you have to do is believe that he is who he said he is. He's the son of God. He's God, the son. He gave himself for you. He is the only way that you can be made right with God, but he will forgive you and you believe that he's risen from the dead and that he's coming again. You, You trust in him Um, And you don't have to understand all of the aspects of that, but if you put your trust in him, he will show you. Uh, I want to invite you to do that today. Many of you are already on this path, and maybe you are in suffering right now, and I want to encourage you um, that that, that he's present in your suffering, that you can seek him in your suffering, not just for the deliverance from it, but seek him above the deliverance from it, that you would want him more than anything, and he will give himself to you. Listen, the Christian life is not all suffering, uh, but suffering is a part of it. Uh, And you don't need to feel guilty for mourning um, the hard things in your life. Uh, You should feel guilty. Jesus wept in his life, even even though he knew what he was going to bring 
about. And you can weep. There's a time to weep. Your mourning can be fuel for your hope in the redemption to come. But he's there in your suffering too. Some of you um, may be, there may be something that you ought to be doing. um, Something that God has called you to do that you're avoiding because of a fear of suffering. That you're looking for some suffering-free way when really there is none in in whatever this situation is. And and you need to take that step. You can trust him. You can step out of the boat. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you need to die. We need to die to our um, obsession with comfort. We just need to be obsessed with Jesus, that we would have more of him. And if he's going to lead us through suffering, we need to trust it's worth it. It's the best way. If that's where he's leading. Yes, pray for him to make other ways, but if he's not, don't let the resistance to suffering keep you from obedience. Because when you do that, you're keeping yourself from more joy in Christ. I have two questions for us this week um, to discuss, and these are them. The, the first one is, your story is a gift. And so, do you have a story of suffering that God used to bring you closer to him that you could share with the group? Um, share that. It, it, we need to hear these stories. The second one is, is there something God is calling you to do that you've been putting off or avoiding in an attempt to forgo suffering? Uh, let's discuss those with our groups um, now, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite you to, uh, to surrender all freshly to Christ. Um, God, we, we need you and we love you. Um, would you reveal these things in our hearts, these areas uh, where maybe we are avoiding obedience? Maybe it's just avoiding surrendering to you altogether because we're afraid of the short-term suffering. God, I thank you that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And God, I thank you that you're working everything together for our good. Some, way, some things in ways we can see now and some things in ways that we're not going to understand until you return. Lord, would you give us a clarity of who you are so that when the waves and the wind are howling, we can see very clearly who is the one who is calling us, that you are trustworthy, that the cross makes clear that your love for us is perfect and great and unfathomable. Thank you for your grace and your love. We need you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys.